past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for joining us today. We are always here to talk about the trends and, and resources and skills that you need to take control of your own career and be successful, whether you are an entrepreneur or thinking about moving up in your job or just want to be better at what you do every day. We talk a lot about job search and uh, personal branding, leadership skills, and every once in a while we focus on a skill that is important for you to be successful and maybe some new trends that are happening. And it's funny, you know, we think, oh, uh, these things don't change and the same skills are always important and we're always going to be needing the same things to be successful. But there are skills that kind of fall in and out of favor and interesting to see how things change. Sometimes they change back, sometimes they don't. I think this is one of those areas where when I first started hearing about this skill set falling out of favor, I I wondered if it would be a, a trend. But now there's more and more people coming out and talking about research and and how to be more successful every day at what you do. And it seems like maybe maybe it's going to stick. So recently there's been a lot of articles about how to have better focus, how to kind of get more done during the day, how to be more productive. And this is kind of a new wave of articles about the same topic, which is multitasking. Now, if you're, well, I don't know, mid-30s or older, you'll probably remember a time where multitasking was such a cool thing and it was such an important skill to put on your resume. And especially if you were in an administrative type role, it was really important to say that you could multitask. And maybe still some of you are doing that today. Well, that task, that, uh, let me say that skill has fallen out of favor. It's no longer good to be able to multitask. And today we're going to talk a little bit about why that is, some of the psychological research behind it, and what you might do instead to be more productive and more successful at work. So there are some of you that are saying, now wait here a minute. Of course, multitasking is important. We all do it every day. And if we don't do it, we don't survive. Those of you who are saying that are probably female and maybe highly likely to be parents, right? (laughs) I think this is when I first started hearing people talk about how you shouldn't multitask and it was bad for you. I thought, well, you know, I can see that. There's, again, some psychological research behind it that we'll talk about. And especially as a parent, if you don't multitask in some ways, you may never get anything done. And... And I I kind of had that thought running through my head as I 
heard this for the first time and heard people talking about it, how you shouldn't multitask. And um, we'll talk about that a little bit more because I do think that there are some times where multitasking maybe not exactly what the definition is um, because we're, we're not necessarily doing two things at once in the same way that, that they're talking about it when they talk about multitasking. So let's talk a little bit more about what this actually is because I feel like sometimes it's a buzzword that we use. We talk about multitasking. We, again, have it in our resume or on our LinkedIn profile. It's one of our skills, and we're really not thinking about um if that's actually something that we do and if it's something that we should be doing. So there's a lot of neuroscience research on this and, you know, it'd be interesting to know how people started to think about testing this multitasking, but they did for some reason, probably about, five, six, seven years ago, people started to study this idea of multitasking. And some of the research that they did is pretty simple, just thinking about, oh, do two things at once. So draw lines and write numbers at the same time. If you can't do that, which most people can't, it slows you down and you could probably just do one of those first and then the second one next and it would it would take less time so this is kind of that two activities that really take a lot of thought drawing some lines and writing numbers and that's how they started doing this research so the idea of doing two things at once um you know reading and listening to music or i know a lot of people that work while they listen to music and Maybe some of this research started to happen when people started to talk on the phone and drive. Right? Are you really doing those two things at once in the most effective way? And of course, the research says not really. So there was some research, actually in the early 2000s, by the uh, Journal of Experimental Psychology that really looked at doing these complicated or unfamiliar tasks and our need to switch gears between the two. Again, so we're talking about two tasks that you're trying to do at the same time and that your brain is not able to to do that. And that in fact, it takes some amount of time for your brain to switch between the tasks. And when we're constantly switching between tasks, we're using a lot of our cognitive function just for that task of switching, not even for doing either of the tasks, but just for this this idea of switching. And makes sense when we think about it, right? I had a coach I was working with that said, oh, you know, make sure that you're not switching back and forth between tasks constantly because your brain is doing a lot of work and and spending a lot of its cognitive function just on switching those tasks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to talk about, easy to think about, but how do you actually implement it? 
So multitasking is that idea of trying to do two tasks at the same time. Now, I think that there is something missing, and I'd love to see if there's research around this. I couldn't find any that shows about your cognitive function and your processing when you're doing something else. So think about this you're doing the laundry and you get a great idea or people will say, Oh, I got this great idea in the shower. So there's something about perhaps a more rote task that we could do that that's not taking a whole bunch of cognitive function, like folding the laundry or taking a shower where we do seem to have that. Aha, I got an idea or a problem that I've been working on, finally I get the, the answer to it. But it's different than trying to do two tasks, especially complicated or unfamiliar tasks, as the journal uh, looked at. That's different, right? We're not um, we're not trying to do two things at, at once that take a lot of energy. In fact, we're doing one thing that might be kind of rote, and therefore our brain is having the opportunity to think. I also think about exercise because a lot of my great ideas might come when I'm exercising and and you're moving that body, giving the blood flowing, but you're not necessarily doing a task. So where I think my my dots started to connect as mom, because of course you might be watching your your child or they're they're doing something, but they're not requiring a whole bunch of your attention. And you can do something else, like maybe watch them play and do the dishes or watch them play and do laundry because we know that if we don't do those two things at once, um, some of them may, may never happen. But of course we can see that power of focus even in those situations where, you know, if you are a parent, you know, there's a million articles right now about the digitally distracted parents and are we really paying attention to our kids, which I also kind of always laugh at because although our parents may have not been digitally distracted. I'm not sure they were always giving us 100% of their attention either because there's always been other things to do. So when we think about multitasking and do you multitask, do you not multitask? And when, when does it hurt your task? When does it help your task? It's simply this thought of, of being more thoughtful about it. So there may be certain tasks where you can do kind of two things at once. Do the laundry and think about a problem you're trying to solve or an article you're trying to write, for instance. Doing two things at once at work or constantly switching between tasks at work is more what they're talking about here that requires your brain power and kind of erodes your pro your focus and productivity. So if you want to be more productive at work, if you want to be more focused, if you want the opportunity to kind of be a better problem solver and think a little bit more deeply, you'll have this power of, of focus instead of trying to multitask and trying to limit how much you switch tasks during the day. So this is what we're going to go through, this idea of how do you stop multitasking and be more focused in a little bit more depth. 
surface level here is if it's in your resume, in your LinkedIn profile, newsflash, it may not be a tap, a skill that you really still want to be highlighting or talking about because in most circles today, people are talking about multitasking in a negative way. So take that out of your resume, take it out of your LinkedIn profile and find something else to talk about your, your skills and your, your way of working, how you're effective. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about some of the ways that you can use this idea and the psychology to be more effective at work and have better focus, be more productive. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to Make a Difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today, I'm uh, kind of breaking the news to you that multitasking is out, focus is in. If you're talking to people about your skills or how you work, this is one of those trends. Been there for a few years, but I still see quite a few people talking about their ability to multitask. Now, this is stemming out of some research um, 
kind of also, I guess, a, a rising focus on neuroscience. Neuroscience is taking some strongholds in the workplace and in coaching especially. So if we are maybe um, pride ourselves on our multitasking, some of this research is interesting to think about what actually is going on in our brains. So we only have so much that we can pay attention to. Your brain, you know, the one research kind of likens it to a, a pie chart. You only have one pie, and when you're focusing on two things, that attention is split and therefore perhaps less effective at doing both things. Sometimes going to be necessary, I'm, I'm guessing, in all of our lives, and definitely in some of those situations where we're parenting or other things, but not the best way to be all the time. And in fact, interesting, some of this research shows that people even drove slower or got to their destination slower if they were talking on the phone, even when they're talking hands-free, etc. They're getting there slower when they're trying to do both things, when they're trying to drive to wherever they're going and talk on the phone. Now, I'm not suggesting that you drive faster when you're on the phone. That's that's not what they're saying here, right? What they're saying is that we are we're, we have limits, and when we multitask, we're we are taking brain power and and reaching those limits on the other task that we might be trying to do. And um, as we as I said before, they've shown the brain power that it takes for us to switch tasks is also part of the problem. So when we switch from one task to another, we're, we're slowing ourselves down. Now they estimate that you have a 40% loss in productivity when you're switching between tasks. That's a lot. So if you're constantly throughout your day switching between tasks, you're losing quite a bit of productivity. And of course, that may be a hard to get away from in some jobs. So we'll talk about some strategies for doing that. The other piece of us switching jobs or or trying to do too much at once is that typically we make mistakes. So if we're doing tasks that require us to pay attention to those details, writing numbers especially, et cetera, when we're multitasking, we're much more likely to make those mistakes. Not not a great thing, especially in many jobs. And that's part of why this idea of multitasking has fallen out of favor. The other thing important for us to realize is that when we're multitasking, again, it's taking more of this brain power for us to switch between tasks, manage multiple tasks. And so you are actually stressing yourself out. So you are creating more stress for yourself because of your brain trying to do two things at once. So they measured that that people do more poorly because they might be trying to do two things at once and then it affects their stress. And even if there's not that connection to the outcome, maybe you don't necessarily perform worse because you're trying to multitask, but just the idea of trying to do that 
is kind of putting you in that high alert mode, right? That fight, flight, freeze mode. Your brain is is doing that more because you're trying to multitask and it's heightened, trying to switch back and forth and keep up with you. So that idea of, um, of stress. One of the interesting studies, and actually I heard this a long time ago when I was working at the University of Denver, and it did never really occur to me that it was this you know, multitasking or that it had implications for multitasking. But the, someone there told the story of a research study that they were doing on, on the campus where they had the research subjects walking across campus and they were staging accidents or issues that they would run into. So someone dropped their books and their papers are fluttering about or someone fallen down and, you know, scraped a knee, nothing critical, but just a, an accident or a issue that these people would come across as they crossed campus. And each of the research study participants had a different level of hurry to get to where they were. So some of the participants maybe were told that they had to get across campus in this amount of time. And if they didn't make it, they weren't going to get their money or something. Some of the participants were told that they had as, you know, as much time as they needed to get across campus and kind of a variety of variance in there in terms of how much of a hurry these people were in. And I think that they got students from program to volunteer for this study so that they had kind of that baseline of all of these people are helpers. They want to help people. They're studying ministry, right? And what they found was really interesting in terms of the correlation to people being in a hurry, stopping to help the other person or not stopping to help them for very long. So there was this very strong correlation between I'm busy or in a hurry and I'm not going to stop and help you, right? I'm not noticing the people around me that are. They find the same thing when they look at multitasking. So when we're trying to walk across campus on our phone, not too surprising that a lot of this research is done on college campuses. When we're trying to walk across campus on our phone, we don't see people doing things. So this study, they had a clown on campus. We're showing that people who are looking at their phones didn't even notice the, the clown riding a unicycle across campus. So there's kind of this idea that when we're multitasking, we're missing out perhaps on opportunities, opportunities to connect with others, opportunities that may be in our, our, our vision but not right in front of us. And when we're multitasking, we might miss out on those. When we think about that in a work setting, you might think that if you're trying to multitask, you might miss out on noticing a coworker and their reaction to you or you might miss out on a a detail that needs to be considered in your work or on a new way of doing something a new way of doing your work because you're trying to multitask it starts to erode your your productivity and your your relationships perhaps because you're not noticing people 
when you're multitasking. Now, there are some research, and if you've ever been on the diet, you've probably heard some of this that says that you should only eat. So don't eat and work, don't sit at your desk and eat, um, that when you're eating, you should focus on what you're eating. And same idea that if you try to multitask while you eat lunch, you're more likely to eat more, not realize when you're full, all of those issues right back to this idea of, of multitasking. When we think about all of those pieces and, and all of those different ways that it limits our our ability, it really isn't surprising that it, there's also research that limits our creativity and doesn't make us as biggest thing is that you end up doing a lot of things twice or you end up doing things slower. So although you may think you're trying to multitask, it's actually slower and less effective than just doing that one thing and being done with it. Now, for those of you who like you've lived as a multitasker, this starts to be like I'm attacking your way of life here, right? This is how you do things. This is how you are effective. And it's probably going to take a while for you to grasp this <laughs> and maybe to start doing it differently because it's it, it does become almost addicting in this way of, ooh, let's see how many things I can do at once. Um, let's see how effective I can be and how productive I can be at doing many different things at once. And takes a little bit of change in our perception to really consider that perhaps that is not the most effective thing. Perhaps that is not the most productive way to be. And as I've said, there's kind of a rush of articles today about how to be more focused and how to be more productive. So we're really going to dive into some of those when we come back. Some of those ideas coming from uh, very famous people, one of the, the famous quotes uh, going around right now from Steve Jobs around how to, to focus, how to really key in on, on those pieces, how to be more creative and, you know, sometimes when you see those things, you think, oh, it worked for that famous person because they had the opportunity to really focus, but it, it won't work for me. Or I'm so busy, I just can't see that that would work for me. So we're going to go through some very specific tools here to help you be more focused every day in your work and help you be more productive. I think we'll take our short break right now. And when we come back, we'll dive into some of those tools that will help you be more focused and be more productive in your work. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In this fast-paced, technologically driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about multitasking and some of the research that goes behind it not being very effective for you. And uh, as I said, multitasking kind of becomes a way of life, maybe even a little bit addicting to see how many things we can get done at once, how many um, ways that we can be so productive. And boy, sometimes it's hard to believe all the research that says that that's really not working for you. So let's talk a a little bit about the research that shows what does work for you. And again, we'll talk about some of the more the popular tips and tricks too, but let's start with some of the the research that shows what to do instead. So some of this research from Harvard University is helping us figure out how to not be distracted. And this is our life, right? Our life is distraction. You got your phone next to you and it beeps or it buzzes or it dings when you get a text, when you get an email, when Facebook thinks you should look at it. You have all of those distractions going on um, right next to you. And in fact, although the research doesn't show that, I'm guessing that that's one of the number one things we can do to help is limit the distractions. Turn your phone off, do some of those things. I'm sure we'll get to some of those tips later. But Harvard's research talks about, first of all, recognizing what you are doing. Recognize that that is a distraction. So a lot of the basic psychological work that psychologists do with folks, counselors do with folks that I learned about in my is around first being aware and taking the time to stop and and be aware of your options, your choices, what's really going on. So 
avoiding that knee-jerk reaction, avoiding our, our instinct to just go and look at the phone, realize that this is a distraction. So it's that awareness piece. Be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of that option not to do it. Then they talk about breathing or doing something to break that cycle. So we hear the phone ding. We're going to say, wait a minute, that's a distraction. Take a breath, kind of break that cycle, and then choose what you want to do next. This is really the kind of the basis of the mindfulness movement, this idea that you can connect to what your body is doing, think about what you actually want to do, and choose something that's going to help you move forward. That idea that your thoughts and your actions are connected, but you have the opportunity to make a choice there and and disconnect them. doesn't have to be rocket science here, right? To recognize when your your body's kind of having that knee-jerk reaction to do something, take a breath and decide what you want to do instead. Now, part of this is knowing, kind of knowing ahead of time what you want to do or setting your intention. And in one of our really popular episodes from way, in the way back when we first started this show is around the difference between goals resolutions and intentions and usually try to replay it at the beginning of the year just to help us think about this idea that each day you may have goals that you want to get accomplished or you may have long-term goals you may be one of those people that likes to set new year's resolutions and then there's this idea of intention and we might set an intention around who we want to be kind of at the 30,000 foot view what we want to do every day and we have this clear idea of what we want to do and most of the productivity gurus talk about doing this the night before so instead of doing this when you wake up in the morning actually in the morning you're kind of checking back in around what you set the day before and maybe in the morning you're also setting some intention or or connecting with your intention at a a deeper level, if you will, around who you want to be, how you want to interact with people. But the night before, you've already kind of set your intention around what you want to get done the next day, what that day is going to look like. And then in the morning, you can check back in with that and maybe check in more with the emotional pieces of what are you feeling like today, what, um, how are you going to interact with people, less of the task stuff and, uh, and more of the little bit deeper stuff because you've already clued into the tasks the night before. So research recommends that we make two lists where we will focus our attention and, you know, kind of what is it most, what's most important to us today and what information might we miss because it doesn't match that mental state or goals. I haven't tried that. Sounds interesting. Also sounds challenging to write a list of the things you think you'll miss, but that's probably exactly why they recommend that you do it. So that you're really setting that positive intention about where you're going to focus your attention and also thinking about something that you might miss. Maybe some of those things are good. Maybe some of them are bad. The other thing that is kind of on the rise right now is technologies to help us focus. 
So there's technologies that you can set them to help you focus for a certain amount of time. And there's some research out there we'll talk about here in our next segment about that kind of time blocking. You know, you got to do what works for you, but you could try. There's technology that will remind you when to take a break. Kind of the same idea. There's technology that will help you filter your email. There's tools that might help you manage your social media so that you don't have to do as many tasks and and maybe have less distractions. There's tools that will get rid of your notifications for a certain amount of time so that you don't hear those dings. So a lot of different technology tools that you can actually use to help you focus instead of maybe seeing technology as the bad guy and we're going to block it all out or turn it all off. I don't know that that's really realistic for a lot of us in our jobs. So it may be looking at how can you use that technology to help you focus as well as be more productive in your work. Because we do know that a lot of our technology does eat away at at that focus. So what can you do to create space to get your tasks done? For some people, this looks like blocking out chunks on your calendar. For some people, this might be using one of the scheduling systems that keeps you focused for a certain amount of time and then you take a break. But what is it that helps you create that space to be effective? Maybe it's a sign you post on your office door that you're in a a 30-minute brain session or I used to have a, a boss an executive director for a nonprofit that started to do that because the interruptions and the connections with staff were important, but she wasn't getting anything done. And so she worked out something with her staff where there would be a, you know, a sign on the door that said in the think tank or something like that. You know, what do you need to do to create that space? For some people, this might be meditating or journaling or for me, it's running or working out too creates that brain space where I'm not doing anything else and I don't have my, my technology on me in that kind of dinging and, and nagging at you way so I can create the space and be more productive. So what are some of the simple, we've gone kind of deep here and let's and talk about some of the simple things that you can do to stop multitasking and be more productive. So this idea of kind of clearing your head and setting your intention when you finish the day, when you start the day, focusing on those essential tasks. So what are you actually going to get done? And a lot of the research says three things. So make a list of three things you want to get done that day and and focus in on those. When you have your focus time, when you have that time scheduled that you're really going to dig into something, know what those things are that you're really going to focus on. And put the other things on, you know, a, a parking lot list or a get to this later list. If something pops up in your mind, have a place where you can write it down so that it doesn't get in the way of doing whatever it is that you really want to be doing. Use your technology to eliminate the distractions or, you know, turn it off, figure out how it works best for you to eliminate those distractions. One of the great things that my email does for me, for whatever reason, because my email pulls through Google Gmail, 
it only comes once an hour. I don't know why, but my corporate emails pull through Gmail and they only do that once an hour or around once an hour. It's great. It means I don't constantly have those emails coming at me and, and dinging or popping up as, hey, you've got something new to deal with. And you can create technologies that will do that for you as well. Do one thing at a time. So again, you're scheduling the things that you really need to do. You're scheduling that time to focus on them. And you've got a place where you can write down the other things that pop up. Create that space. So find that quiet place where you can focus. Work something out with your team or, or your direct reports to where you have some ability to set aside quiet time for yourself once a day, twice a day, whatever makes sense for your working group relationship. And then, you know, once you think that you've kind of simplified and had those distractions cut down, keep looking for opportunities to simplify and create space for yourself even more and make that your addiction. So instead of having the addiction, you know, how many things at once can I do? What can I do to to do this? you'll find that you do get addicted to this idea of focus because it is so powerful once you get started. Once you get started, you have that feeling of, yes, this is really me producing some great stuff and and being creative. And maybe you've even lost that thought of what it means to be creative, what it looks like to be really creative and in-depth in your work because we've been multitasking so much. So you'll start to get a little addicted to this idea, which is okay. And, and, you know, they can continue to refine it. And then at some point it probably will hit its end of of productiveness as well. Because, of course, if we sit in our office all day by ourselves and just focus, we're probably missing out on some other ways to be creative with our team. So you'll find that balance there that works for you and the type of work that you do. We're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of chunking and some of the research around, um, you know, the schedule, how much time we want to schedule to work on things, and then that, that break. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. So we've talked about some general things that you can do to be more productive. And um, there's also, of course a slew of very specific advice out there, all with research around it. Um, Sometimes the frustrating thing about research, right, that there's a lot of different research about exactly how long you should focus and how long you should take a break. So we'll go through some of it. Again, we're going to have to do some um, experimenting to figure out what works for you, figure out what what does work for you, because there's not, obviously, since there's research showing uh, several different things, there's not a golden answer, not a golden ticket here. So there's some research, and this came out of a, a Chinese call center that showed the most productive people worked for 52 minutes and then took a 17 minute break. Very interesting numbers there. So 52 minutes working and a 17-minute break. Now, the important part here is what they were doing on their break, these uh, effective people, because they were actually getting up, walking, talking, doing exercises. They were up out of their desk. So we're not talking a 17-minute break to look at Facebook not talking a 17-minute break here to check email. Um, So it's a 17-minute actual break. So if you looked at your day and kind of chunked it up into hours, roughly, what would that look like if you were going to work for 50 minutes or so and then take a 15-minute break? That's going to work for some people and not for others because, of course, we all have different demands and, and schedules on our time. When you really need to focus on something and get a task done, 52 minutes, 50 minutes seems to be kind of the max amount of time that some of this research shows we can focus. Um, So 50 minutes is probably the most amount of time that you want to spend really focused on a a task. Otherwise, you're probably going to kind of have that fatigue and not... um, not continue to be focused or not be as creative and energetic in that task. Not too surprising, of course, that most college courses are 50 minutes. Someone had done this research before they planned out that 
So there's other research that 40 minutes is a good amount of time, um, you know, kind of that 40 minutes of focus and 15 minutes of getting up and doing something else. Then on the other extreme, we see the research that shows we, we can focus for about 20 minutes. So we can concentrate on a task for about 20 minutes. This article claims that that's why TED Talks are a maximum of 18 minutes is because that's how long our brain can focus. So an interesting idea there. And your time might be somewhere in the middle. I would say that 20 minutes might be the, you know, 15, 20 minutes might be the minimum that you want to schedule to work on something and 40 or 50 minutes being the maximum. The idea here is, of course, that you're scheduling time to work on something. So you're sitting down, you've got the task that you want to work on, you're focused on it, and then you're moving on to the next task, preferably based on some of this research after a break where you either get up and, and walk around um, or, or do something else and then come back. Now the slippery slope I can see for a lot of us is that break kind of going longer than we intend. Maybe we get stuck at the proverbial water cooler talking to someone, or if you work from home, you go down to do the laundry and you end up um, doing a little bit of the dishwasher and this and that, and you get back up and you think, ah, now it's been 30 or 40 minutes that I've not been busy because I got stuck doing these other things. So setting some kind of a, a timer for yourself for the work and also for the break may be a good place to start. And again, you can search productivity apps on your phone and pretty quickly come up with three or four that will help you schedule these chunks of time and improve your focus. It's, it's it, the newest, hottest thing right now. Some people might spend their their breaks meditating. There's some research that shows that spending your breaks meditating is even more effective than taking a walk. I prefer the, the walk, the physical action, as we know that our, our sitting is the new smoking. So even though it may not be as good as meditating, I, I like the walk. You maybe do both. Maybe intermix them throughout the day. It doesn't have to be a, an either or situation. Working with a lot of the managers that I, I'm coaching on on a, on a leadership program right now, this is one of the most challenging things for them to really think about taking time during the day to take breaks and doing it this frequently. So every hour, right, we're talking about then you might be taking six or seven little breaks a day and it starts to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm being really unproductive. So we also talked about ways that they could make those breaks productive. Go around and check with an employee, check in with a team member, nurture those relationships while you're also doing these, these breaks. Take a walk, and it doesn't have to be really long if you do feel like you need to get back to work. Maybe you just take a five-minute break, but at least you're getting this feel, right? You're training your brain to do it differently, 
to sit down and focus and then get up, do something different, sit down, focus, instead of what tends to happen, which is the dribble, where we're focused and then we kind of get bored, so we check email, or we're focused and then we get bored, so we look at our phone. That's what we're trying to prevent here is that mindless dribble of our attention onto something else. Focus, break, focus, break. And if you are going to dribble, I'd prefer that you do it when you're coming off of your break, not when you're going on to your break. And again, make sure you've got something that's going to beep at you or chime at you to get back to work because that dribble is most likely where it'll suck your time. So you're focused, you take a walk, you check your email, but you've got a certain amount of time that you're going to do that. And then you're going to get back to one of your focused activities. Scheduling email is probably one of the most important things you can do for your productivity. So decide when you're going to check it, not first thing in the morning. Have a task that you're going to complete before you check that email. And then maybe you check it at lunch and right before you leave work. You have that time scheduled out. Maybe it's even one of your 20 or 30 minute blocks of time that you're checking email and then you're going to take a break and then get back to a more focused activity. So for some of us, this feels like a lot of structure, right? We like to kind of do what we're feeling like doing, and that can be okay. You don't have to structure exactly what you're going to do every block of time. Some of you will love that. Some of you will feel like you're in prison if you do that. So you don't necessarily have to be that structured. Start with a little bit, see how it goes, and work your way up if you're feeling strangled by by that structure. It will help your brain learn to do one thing at a time. And, uh, you know, I think one of the new trends is hacking, right? We're always hacking something. And a lot of these articles are talking about hack your brain and how to hack your brain to be more productive, yet to focus for these periods of time and then take a break. I hope that helps you be more effective and productive at work because we know that it's hard for us to move out, move up, get our our promotions if we're not doing a great job where we are and being focused, being more creative, being more productive, all great ways to help propel our career. We'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. In the meantime, if you have other topics or other questions that we can answer on the show, we're always happy to do that. Please reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll be happy to bring those to the show so we can help you be more successful in taking control of your career. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 